Shanti Hershenson is a teen author who has written over 20 books and she is only 15. In this episode, Shanti shares her motivations behind writing her first book and her experiences as a young author. She also shares her writing routine and the secrets to getting published. Shanti has over 60,000 TikTok followers and explains how she uses the platform to sell books. So the earliest memory I have of writing is probably in about kindergarten or first grade. And by then I, um, I could barely write. I couldn't really even handwrite my own name. I have awful handwriting. So, um, and at that point, like I wasn't able to type on a computer. Um, but I remember just really wanting to tell stories. So I think at the base of it, it just, I love storytelling. I love sharing my ideas with people. I love writing about true stories and about fiction and really everything. There was also an element growing up where I read a lot, but there weren't a lot of books that interested me. Like I would honestly, um, I would get bored with most books I read. And there are a couple books I read every now and then that I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, I did really enjoy reading, but I also, you know, it was hard to get into reading like books. Like I had to really, um, you know, take my time with books or I had to like stop reading one and go to another. So Really, I just wanted to start writing because I didn't find a lot of stuff that really interested me. So then I wanted to write the things that I would want to read. And from then on, like, I just loved, you know, writing. I loved kind of, I used it a lot as an outlet, like when I was a kid too, where if I had a bad day, I would go and I would write like just a short like fantasy story. And I guess also going back to um, the writing, the kind of books you want to read. When I would read, I'd also find myself being like, well, I really want to see the characters do this or this, and I wish this would have happened. And that's when I started to realize, like, you know, then I should write it. Yeah. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So, you know, you've grown up writing your own stories, and, you know, for some people, that's something they do while they're younger and they enjoy it, and maybe they get a high grade in their English class, and maybe they go and study at university, but you're not even at that age yet. You're still (laughs) fairly young. And you've already published so many books, but I'm curious about the first book you published. What kind of got you to think, right, actually, I'm kind of going on a bit here. There's a lot of pages stacking up. Let me turn this into a book. So I have a complicated answer for that because the first two books I published were these like pretty short novellas I wrote with a friend. So like I'm always in between counting those, but um, those were just like a project I wrote with my friend and I actually saw him working on it. I was like, hey, can I help? And he was like, sure. So then we ended up throwing them on Amazon's KDP to get printed copies and I actually like marketed it a bit. And that was when I was about 12 years old. Um, But then I kind of, I think it's easier to talk about like the first novel I actually wrote in terms of the question. So um, same year, like I think it was six months later, maybe four months, something like that. And I was stuck at home from lockdown because actually those two novellas were published like days before we um, were sent home from school. So then I was really, really, really bored. I think it was the summer actually between sixth and seventh grade. And I was like, my mental health really wasn't great. I had a lot of stuff happen to me that year that really was honestly just piling up. Also, and of course, you know, I was literally locked at home, you know, 24 seven and being 12 years old, that can be really difficult. And I was binge watching all these TV shows. I was playing video games all day. I was writing social media posts about Star Wars and I was just really doing anything I could to distract myself from the fact that it's like, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. That's really scary, especially, you know, because I was so young Mm -hmm. and it was around that time that I decided like, okay, I can make something of this. 
I started out actually, I was writing these little screenplays. I did like a Star Wars TV show, but that wasn't fulfilling enough because I didn't think anything would come out of that. Because of course, you know, I can't just go at 12 years old and pitch it to Lucasfilm and be like, hey, this is my like <laughs> fan fiction, you know, and I really wanted to share it with people. I really wanted like something great to come out of this. So I finally decided like, you know, I can write my own novel and I don't remember exactly when I got the initial idea. What I do remember is that I was playing a game of Minecraft with my sister and I had this Minecraft map and it was where all of the biomes were split up into these separate, like almost caged in worlds. And it was just someone's art project, but I was like, this is kind of cool. And my sister and I were like, we were talking about like the story behind it where the humans are like sent to biomes and that's where they have to live. And I don't, I have no memory of when that was is I just remember it was during the pandemic, but then a couple weeks later, maybe a month later, I don't know the time. I do remember I was on like a walk. I was at a walk on the beach with my parents and my sister and I was talking and I was like, you know, I kind of want to write a book. And she was like, well, what are you going to write about? And then I remembered that Minecraft world we did. And I was like, you know, I could write a book about those biomes I don't remember when exactly I started writing that book, if it was immediately after or it was a couple days later. Again, time's kind of weird. But I do remember eventually I actually sat down and I started writing it. And I started writing it as a screenplay. It was barely a screenplay because I didn't know anything about screenwriting then. And it just wouldn't work. Like, none of the ideas I had would work. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. But I was kind of scared to write a novel because that's like a completely different thing. I would have to think about so much more. And, you know, novels are of course a lot longer than screenplays. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it, but I kept failing with the screenplay. So I decided just to sit down and just try to write the prologue. And I wrote that prologue and then I wrote the first chapter. And then for the next couple of weeks, I just kept writing and slowly I did really fall in love with the story. And I think once I started to really get to know the characters more and I really started to figure out like where the plot was going, it really came together. And originally I was like, okay, this is going to be a 20,000 word novella that if it's good enough, maybe I'll figure out how to publish. And then I passed the 20,000 word mark. (laughs) And then I started looking at some of my favorite books and I was like, you know, okay, 50,000 words. And then I passed the 50,000 word mark and I was nowhere near getting done. (laughs) And then eventually I passed the 100,000 word mark after, I think by then I'd actually started seventh grade. And I was like, okay, this is actually going to be a really long book. Um, By the time I was done with the first draft, it was 250,000 words and 800 pages. Um, It's Biome Lock. I think you can see it right behind me. It's This is the first draft. It's a big book. (laughs) I started like researching publishing and I realized like, this is way too long to publish. I don't even know how I'm going to edit this. And of course I rewrote the book several times and I still could not shorten it to a length that was below 200,000 words. So eventually I just split into three separate books. And, um, actually I think they're all behind me. There's, uh, there's Biome Lock, there's Biome Blackout and there's my like prototype of Biome's End because that's still like an early draft of it. The first two books are done and I haven't even started the third book because that's like the longest one. And I've done a couple rounds of editing, but I still need to really get into like the good kind of important proofreading of that book. And I'm scared. So It all started from that whole Minecraft server where you with your sister. Yeah. And then you was like, right, want to write a book, want to write a book. This is the inspiration, I guess. But, you know, even from there, you're going to have to do all that world building. You're going to have to have your main character or, you know, the main characters. How did you kind of come up with those concepts? Because these these are things that a lot of even professional authors don't 
really, you know, have down at the age that you're at. You know, you're here when you were 12, 13, writing a massive beast of a book. A lot of people tend to get, you know, writer's block and it seems like you had the complete opposite, you know? Yeah, I felt like once I started, like I could not stop. Like this is the book that I needed to write. This is what I've been waiting to write for so long. Um, One thing I vividly remember is that I could not plot out this book no matter how much I tried. I tried to make like a plan of all the chapters and I stopped after like the sixth chapter. I was like, this isn't going to work. So that first draft was very much just taking it by ear. But also the the story is a lot like that where these characters, they're traveling and they don't know what's going to happen next. And I really didn't know what was going to happen next. However, um, towards the midpoint of the story, maybe I had... I had written down so many ideas in my notes app for this book. A lot of the ideas never made it to the um, final draft. Like some of them I didn't even, like a lot of them I cut, some of them I just didn't even write. I had a lot of really bad <laughs> um, like ideas, but I also had some really good like scenes in mind and some quotes. And that really started to shape the book together, which is this unordered list of things that could happen. And eventually I got to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, I know how the rest of this book is going to go. And of course, some things changed. I shortened some things. I lengthened some things. But really, once I just had all of these ideas like brain dumped into my notes app, it came together. And watching that book come together for the first time was like, I I remember it so vividly. It was the best feeling. I had spent the last couple months on this book. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't even know if I was going to finish it. And then realizing that I actually know like basically everything that's going to happen now. And I know how this is going to end. And I feel okay with this ending. That was amazing. And of course, now I've written enough books that I really, I've seen this so many different times because not much has changed in terms of that's still how I do it, where I have a lot of like, I do have world building documents typically. I don't really know if I had them with Biomlock where I have everything written down. And, but in terms of like that plot, I still do it where I write it out in my notes app. And then I kind of just keep going until I have so many scenes written out that I actually can piece this together. I just finally had that with the book I'm currently working on. I'm working on the third um, book in the Never Dying series. And it has been such a challenge. I don't know how I'm going to, pull this all together I it's you know this is the third book this is the last book and there's so much that I've left like kind of you know open that I have to close up now in literally just a couple days ago I finally realized like hey I actually know how this is going to end I know how all the characters are going to get their justice and it's just it's such an amazing feeling and it doesn't matter how many times I finally figure out the book it's always like such a great feeling yeah I mean, there's something here that I'm not sure if you're aware of. There's this thing called flow state where people kind of get to working or get to doing something that's creative and they enter this state where, you know, time disappears. So it's like, oh, you're not thinking I've been doing this for two, three hours. Oh, I need to take a break. You're just going and going and going. And that's what it sounds like you've been getting into. It's this kind of flow state. But I'm wondering for you, because you are very much a Gen Zer. What does your writing process look like when you, you know, sit down to write? Are you doing it on the laptop? Are you writing on your phone, on your tablet? Like, what is that process like? Are you sitting there with a nice cup of tea or something? Or, you know, I just want to know what a young writer's kind of setup is like when they're, when they're going in. 
my setup changes every once in a while. I have phases where I like writing in different places. So right now and for the last couple of months, I've really enjoyed writing in like public spaces. So for example, like coffee shops, um, I really like writing at Panera. And I think it's a really good way to kind of clear my head. Because what I notice a lot of the times, I have a really nice desk in my room, but it's kind of cluttered at the moment. And I find that I start getting distracted really easily. So then taking myself to a nice like coffee shop and I have a cup of coffee and I have like my music, then I can really just get into the zone. And it's also, um, it's kind of similar to how when I was actually writing Biomlock, I would go to the park and that's where I would write. And it's also, it's a bit of like, I'm pressuring myself to finish writing because, you know, it's hard to procrastinate in a coffee shop. There's not a lot I can't, I can do. I can't just go and start rearranging my bookshelf. I can't go and pet my cat. I have to write. And then I can only go home once I'm done writing. Cause otherwise it's like, you know, I have to like worry about time now. And that's like, I guess that's kind of what my setup looks like. I do, um, sometimes I write in, like, I used to write in my dad's office a lot. However, house is being renovated right now, and my dad's office I don't have anymore. Um, sometimes I write in this room where I do podcasts, but for the most part, I really like going outside and being in public and just, like, drinking my coffee and writing. It's really fun. And actually, I'm going to do a very special writing session. Actually, it's an editing session, because um, okay. I have a book coming out in a few months, and I'm doing, like, that final round of editing, and it takes place near, like, where I grew up. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do that final read through um, in the locations where it like takes place in each um, time it switches a location. Then I um, stop editing. I go to that location. I continue editing until we go somewhere new. So really, it's like I have so many different setups um, and it really just changes depending on my mood and depending on the book and depending on like where I am in the process. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, obviously, you know, you're out and about and obviously you're there writing and you have that kind of background hum or background noise or background movement to kind of ironically keep you focused. Because I feel like at home, you're kind of like, gosh, it's just me and these four walls. But when you're outside, you don't feel that kind of closed inness. And, you know, most most parents would be worried about their kids at teenage years, 14, 15, going out, doing drugs, drinking, all that kind of stuff. But here you are, you know, writing a book or writing many, many books. And I'm just wondering for you, what, what, what do your parents do? Are they like doctors, lawyers? Are they just teachers or something? Like, where does this kind of inspiration come from, do you think? Yeah, I think both my parents are really um, creative. Like my mom, she used to be a magician. And oh, cool. um, my dad is like a software developer. But oh, um, nice. I think both my parents are pretty good writers, but they're not like, you know, that's not what they do. They just, it's like, I think it's like, what it was one of my mom's hobbies and it's really cool. But Yeah. And you kind of just taken that gene and, and ran with it. Well, something yeah. the listener doesn't know is that you've written over 20 books and you've published yeah. about half of those. So about 14. And yeah. you know, if they're piecing it together, you've got the Biome series, you've got this other series that you're working on and, and you know, getting to finish. A lot of people don't actually get things done. A lot of people kind of, you know, will be like, oh, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book about my life or I'm going to write this fiction story, et cetera, et cetera. They never get around to it. And I'm wondering for you, what, what is it that drives you to, to do this and to be so prolific with it? I have, there's like a whole set of things that really drives me to finish the books. One thing, because I get this question like so much, I'm always like, I'm always asked like, oh, what motivates you and how do you finish your books? And really for me, it's just, I have been writing a thousand words a day ever since I was about 12 years old, I guess. Mm. And I'm 15 now. I turned 16 in October. So it's really been a couple years where I have just been writing nonstop. And I rarely take a day off. And if I do, I try to like, you know, write a little more the next day. And what this has done is it's just created this habit where my day doesn't feel complete unless I've written. I do like, I have like, 
you know, I get like upset when I don't write and it's just like a kind of a part of me now. It's like how, you know, you brush your teeth two or three times a day. I write every day. So yeah. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, there's this whole idea of getting the reps in. A lot of people, when they come to, you know, creative endeavors or entrepreneurship, they go, oh gosh, where do I start? It's like, listen, something small every day, keep it going and you'll eventually get there type thing. And uh, I think that's something that Stephen King does, doesn't he? He sits down to write every day and that's how he's able to write so many books. Yeah. Okay. Well, for me, I'm wondering as well, what kind of drew you towards sci-fi? Is it just because you grew up like loving sci-fi or was it this just what came out of you or was it like a direct choice because I feel like a lot of young people will write romance novels but you're not yeah. in that world I feel like sci-fi has always been something that I've really enjoyed and it was like I was exposed to it at a really young age I read a lot of sci-fi books when I was younger I loved I've loved Star Wars ever since I was like a preschooler so um really just something I've grown up with and I've explored you know sci-fi in a multitude of ways whether it's like the tv shows I watch or the movies or books and finally like when it came time to actually start writing a novel it was really no surprise that I was going to do sci-fi I also did really enjoy fantasy growing up I wrote a lot of fantasy short stories but I would always come back to sci-fi so I've like that's the main genre I write in I actually have done some romance but typically it's in like my sci-fi books and it's like a subplot um and I'm also but I'm also at this point trying to explore like other genres too but still it's like there's still the sci-fi roots so like the one of the last books I um did it's about time travel but the time travel is like a kind of subtle part of it like for the most part it's about like the characters and their journeys and like the drama and everything but it's still sci-fi so really it's just the genre that's I've stuck with for the longest it's like my first it was my first favorite genre so really I can't like you know it I have to write it but I'm also like I am exploring other genres too yeah I mean you you niche down as well you're kind of on the dystopian sci-fi thing yeah which for me I've written a a dystopian sci-fi audio drama which was a whole kind of difficult thing to figure out it's like how dystopian are we going is it a future that's like decaying or is it just a future that's bad and things are thriving for one group of people and that type of thing so uh, I wonder for you how did you decide what kind of dystopia you were going to kind of go for oh that's such a good question um I don't know off the top of my head when I started writing Biomlock, I didn't really know what it was like mm. I just started writing oh the aliens and they make it's a they place in the future and they're making the humans live in separate biomes and then I started researching genres and I like read about dystopia and I was like oh my gosh this is it so that's really how I first found dystopia um since then the last dystopia novel I wrote was which one was it Sorry. No, that's fine. Tired. A lot of authors have like three books. They go, oh, was it the first one, the second one, third one? You're like, I've got to think through 20 odd books and uh, which one, you know, that's fine. Honestly, take your time to think. <laughs> yeah. Some of the dystopian novels I've done, it's like they take place in the future with a strange government, but they're not exactly like dystopia in the sense that everybody is affected. Hmm. So the last, um, it's not the last books I wrote, um, but a couple of months ago I wrote, um, this another really long novel and I got split into two books um because it was like almost 200,000 words um and 
these two novels, they're about um, this sort of game show that's kind of similar to The Hunger Games, but it's very complicated. It takes place in this, like, luxury hotel in Las Vegas, and it's basically um, where, like, criminals and, like, serial killers have to go and compete in this game, and if they win, they don't necessarily get, like, freedom, but they get to live, and they get to live in, like, a mansion. It's complicated, but anyways... Um, that, I feel like, is kind of dystopian in the sense that it's this brand new future with this government who allows this incredibly barbaric and problematic game show to take place. And it, like, no one, really, a lot of people don't see it as a problem, and a lot of people do. But I do think it's dystopian. But it's also, like, the only group that's affected are these, like, murderers and then the main character who just so happens to be framed, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so... um I think that was kind of like, I didn't really think of it as dystopian when I started writing it, but then I realized like it does actually have a lot of dystopian like elements to it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, in, in your very young years, you've made these great decisions to write all these books and to, you know, go Thanks. for sci-fi, go for dystopia and follow that thing. But another thing you've done, which is something that's very common for people your age is to start a TikTok page, but your TikTok page isn't you lip syncing or dancing or doing all the trends or, you know, pranking people. It's to promote your business or to promote your creative efforts. And so I wonder if you could talk me through the, you know, the first day of you going like, right, I'm going to use TikTok to try to get my books more of an audience. What did that look like? And how did you post? And, you know, what were your feelings around it? So I'd been on TikTok for, I think I first joined TikTok in 2019 with like a personal account. And I don't remember what I, I think I posted like Star Wars and Beyblade videos and stuff. And then Fair I would enough. be scrolling on TikTok a lot. So, you know, like I've been lurking on TikTok for a while. And I started to notice like other writers and some writers my age even were using this to promote their work. And I was like, you know, this could be a good idea. However, I also wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. I don't know why. I was just like kind of... I don't know. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. This doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't know why, because it's a great idea. Mm. Eventually, after I published my fifth book, You Won't Know Her Name, I was like, you know, I need more promotion outlets. I should just try. And if I get like a couple hundred followers, maybe one of them is going to buy my book. And every sale counts. So I created it and I posted like that first video and I waited. And the first video wasn't anything particularly special. It was like, I'm 13 years old. I just published my fifth, fifth book and this is what it's about. And I actually still use that format to this day. And mm. along with that, um, I've started like posting like writing tips. But going back to that first video, um, when I posted it, I think initially it got like around like 500 views and it got me some followers and there were some really nice comments. But every, with every day, I would post a new video and they would get views. And even that old one too would get some views. And I think it ended up, blowing up. I don't remember how many views it has exactly, but I think it got around like 20,000 views. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is actually pretty cool. And I think I hit a hundred followers after maybe like three days of being on the app. And then I hit a thousand followers soon after. And really, I just never stopped posting. I made sure to post about all of my books. And I also would post like writing tips. And then in about November of 2021, I posted a video and it blew up more than any other video of mine did. I think it has about, um, it has about like 300,000 views now, which compared to some of like the newer videos I posted isn't a lot, but it's still like, that was the one that really, that one got me 10,000 followers and it just started really, you know, getting my other videos to be pushed out to more people. And then what I realized also is 
I need to hook my viewers in because a lot of them would just feel like these are the fav- these are my favorite characters for my books. But when I'm saying that, like no one really knows who I am. Like I can't just say these are, this is the coolest location in my books because people aren't going to know like what books I'm talking about. They're not going to know who I am. So then I actually started opening each video with I'm 15 years old and I published this many books. Or I'm 15 years old and I've written this many books. Or I'm 15 years old and I'm about to publish this book. And then I started. Then I would say like and this is my favorite character or and this is the coolest scene in the book and then from there like now they know who I am and maybe they even know what book it is and then they know what I'm going to show them and that was really the formula that's worked and I've tried to do this in a number of ways I've changed to like the fonts and stuff but really just hooking the readers in and then telling them what I'm going to show them and then actually showing them that has been the best formula so far occasionally I will post videos with my face and those ones tend to do well too However, I don't do a lot of those just because sometimes like I've gotten like creepy comments and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to stick to what works. <laughs> but I also, yeah. I do like experimenting. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that kind of side of the, the weirdness of the internet a bit later, but you know, for the listener, it, you're up to 50,000, almost 60,000. Last I checked, it was 58.1 thousand followers, which is, you know, yeah. amazing, absolutely amazing. And one thing I kind of want to dig into is so you've got 50,000 TikTok followers you've got videos that are getting 800,000 views you know th- that's what I saw when I was on the page how does that kind of go down the sales route because for me I actually I'm deep into book talk obviously the algorithms figured out what I like and I have like a mini reading list as a as a favorites bit so I go right okay I'll, I'll read this later add it to my reading list or add it to my kind of library of things that I'm going to read on my Kindle and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, speaking directly to an author who's using TikTok as their marketing platform, how does that look on the sales end? Did it kind of go up from the 10 people that you told to now hundreds of thousands of people or tens of thousands of people? Like what, what did it equate to? I think definitely now that I've like joined TikTok, my releases have gotten a lot stronger. I've gotten more pre-orders. I want to talk particularly about the book Never Dying in terms of like TikTok and sales because that's the one that really, really worked. Because previously, you know, I'd have some, you know, maybe I got like 20 sales in the first day, first week. And a lot of those were from TikTok. Some of those weren't. But with Never Dying, all of the videos I posted about it did extremely well. I think actually all of my most viewed videos now, like the ones that have 800,000 views, a million views are of Never Dying. And a video went viral right before the book came out. And I did notice that actually in the first week, like Never Dying did not have a very great first week, I think. I noticed it was like not so great. I think I got like maybe a couple, like a dozen sales, 20 sales or something in the first week, but then after it exploded. And that is now my most sold book. And I really have to credit that mainly to TikTok because that's where people started finding out about it. That's where people were posting videos about it. And of course, there's been some Instagram posts too. But Instagram, I feel like doesn't have the same reach as TikTok does for like unknown accounts because you can post something on Instagram, but if you don't have a lot of followers, the algorithm's not really going to like it. I think it's much harder to go viral on Instagram, except for like Instagram reels than it is just to go viral on TikTok. So then really more people are talking about it and I did notice like with each viral video, like there was a significant spike in sales. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, a lot of people will try sell this kind of idea of, okay, yeah, TikTok marketing, you got to do this and they do that and da, 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 da. But you're like really seeing for yourself, like, oh, if I tweak this and change this and I make sure I hook them in the first bit, you know, you're learning from trial and error and experience, which is an amazing thing. But also you mentioned that, you know, if you are to like show your face, then the creeps start rolling in. And obviously, yeah. you know, with you being 15, 
I'm wondering how you're able to deal with this kind of, you know, online audience and make sure that it's, you know, not only a safe space for yourself, but also for the people that you're going to have on your page, which are also mostly young people, I assume. Yeah, really the way that I have to do it is just I have to show judgment with who I'm talking to because I do get a lot of DMs on Instagram and TikTok and I even I can't respond to them all. I feel bad because I have a lot of really nice people that ask for tips and I just can't respond to them all. But I do try to respond to some. I also have to be careful of like who I'm talking to and what their intentions might be. And occasionally like I've gotten some comments that are kind of creepy. I did a, a live stream and it was this um, marketing event where I was trying to do like a webinar basically. And I had someone in the comments like non-stop making like creepy things they were like come on you know like dm me or you're so beautiful will you date me it was just one person i was like will you date me and it was this random like old guy and like even like my boyfriend got in the comments it was like yo leave her alone and this guy like then dm me was like come on you should follow me back your boyfriend doesn't have to know and it was just like i just had to end up having to block him because there's really like nothing more i can do in that situation than just block the guy um, occasionally though, like I will have some people just ask questions about my book and I will respond. But then I remember I had this one dude, I don't remember who it was or how long ago it was, but he was just like asking me a question about my book. But then he started to ask like some things that were like, you know, like he first was like, how much do your books cost? And I answered. And then he was like, can you give me a free book? Um, but it got to the point where he was like DMing me every day and it was like a much older guy. And I was like, you know, no. So I ended up just blocking him. And that's really like all you can do. Um, cause I have to manage all my own accounts. I mean, for the most part though, like I think about 99% of the interactions I've had with people have been really, really great. And there's only like a few interactions where I'm like, you know, no, thank you. And then I just block them. And then that's that. Yeah. I mean, BookTok, I found to be a very friendly, fun place. You know, there's a lot of the Definitely. Kindle girlies out there putting their stickers yeah. in the back and having a clear case. You know, it feels like the safe side of TikTok to me. But yeah, obviously, in your experience, you're you know, behind an account and people are, are, you know, coming with the kind of very inappropriate kind of intentions. But, you know, I'm so amazed by how maturely you're handling it and just making sure that, you know, not only are these people kind of not able to get direct access to you again, but also kind of knowing that it's like, I'm here to talk about my books. If you're not trying to talk about books, I'm not trying to talk about anything else type of thing. So yeah. we've kind of been through the whole process of you writing, promoting, and we've kind of missed out the middle step of the publishing. So you're up there on Amazon, you know, the biggest bookstore in the world, even though, you know, technically it's not a bookstore, it's the everything store. What is that process like? And I'm assuming you might have had some help from maybe a friend or your parents to get the first two books out there. But now I'm assuming you're probably just, right, this is the finished edit. I'm, I'm going to upload type thing. So talk us through the process in as much detail as you can kind of go into. Yeah, so um, it's actually really funny, but when I first published my books, like I did it without knowing what I was doing. But like, I, um, my parents didn't know either. So I just kind of, honestly, I had to learn on my own a lot, but now it's a lot easier for me. I use Amazon's KDP and then I use Ingram Spark for my hardcovers and KDP. It's really simple. I just, first off, I do my eBooks for pre-order. And as soon as I have the release date, I put the eBook, usually it's about a month or two out. And I actually put the eBook up for pre-order. I add the cover and I add the description. And then I just have to remember to upload that finished file before it comes out. And then for paperbacks, I just do the same thing where I fill out all the information. I usually order a proof copy 
one thing I do that a lot of authors do is I actually secretly publish the paperbacks maybe around a couple days before the release because I want um, just one final printed copy that doesn't have the ugly banner on it and I want to make sure everything's good because sometimes I find like there can be problems with um, the release of the first Biomlock book for some reason it was like showing it as unavailable and it wouldn't work and like I tried calling KDP and they weren't helping about it and thankfully I you know put the book up a week before it came out because otherwise it would be a really serious problem Mm. and it ended up like being okay in the end but if I wouldn't have gotten it up prior to the release day like I would have been in deep trouble yeah so just going straight through the Amazon system uploading it making sure everything's good a week or two before obviously getting your proof copy as well and getting that official you know what the reader might get in their hands type copy as well is the key and and there's something here that we kind of skipped over you know having 14 published books each one of those has to have a cover and obviously with it being sci-fi I know the phrase is don't judge a book by its cover but it's got to have a cover so how are you getting your artwork designed is it something you're doing yourself or do you have like someone you've partnered with to do it so I hire different cover designers. Um, it depends on the series. For the most part, uh, the majority of my covers are designed by Mibelart. They're an excellent company from Ukraine. They did the Bane of Angel Fall Academy, all the Never Dying books, The Accidental Insurgent, and The God's Right Hand. Um, I know like you can see the Bane of Angel Fall Academy and Never Dying up here, and then you can see like the spine of Insurgent. And they are excellent. It's really easy. They're a company. You just, you know, like purchase the cut co- you like a cover design and you fill out all the information and they get it back to you and they collaborate with you to see if there's anything you can change i have used a number of other designers um on different books too but that's like my main designer and like um especially for my sci-fi books because they have these really vibrant covers with these beautiful images and excellent like fonts and everything and it's they know what they're doing so they know how to create a cover that the readers for that genre are going to want to read yeah and i'm sure you know you've been to the bookstore and seen the many different kinds of books you can have out there you could have you know printed pages that are colored on the outside gold embossing and all this kind of cool fancy stuff do you have a a preference for how you like your books to be presented are you like a strict hardback cover type person do you prefer paperbacks are there any kind of pages in your books that are you know with artwork or anything like that you know i'm just wondering what your kind of book structure is outside of the content it usually depends on the book, but for um, like both my books are available in hardcover and paperback, except I still need to get the Angel Fall Academy hardcover up there. I've just been lazy. Um, but honestly, I really, really love the glossy covers. I know some people disagree with me because they're kind of difficult to like take photos of because the shine, but in person, they're, I feel like they're so much nicer than the matte covers. However, there actually are some exceptions to that where if the cover doesn't use like very, you know, like... Uh, images in the sense that it's like photos with like real people or like stock photos so for example you can see like the cover behind me and these ones too like they have like people on them in those I feel like it's so much better to use the glossy um but if it's something that has very simplistic artwork for example um I know they're not here you can't see them but um the covers for the chronicles of Zao Delane they have these drawings of like bird feathers on them and for those for the drawings I think it's best to use the mat although I'm always open to changing it up (laughs) nice nice so you know you're like a a complete one person machine here of just churning out books trying to edit them as best you can but i'm wondering 
you know, when it comes to the edit side of things, you've spent all this time writing it, you spent all this time trying to edit it yourself. How mm. do you find people that are willing and able to edit your work or help you edit your work? Is there like communities you're part of, or is there something that we don't know about, like a, you know, a website that you can go to to submit these things? How does that work? Yeah, so I have a writing coach who's um, edited with me and just like gone through like the proofreading and made sure there's no plot holes. Um, and we've been working for almost two years three years something like that so um really like you know you just have to like look for people who can mentor you and help you but also um you can find editors on websites like Reedsy. i think you can on fiverr too but fiverr can be very tricky because there's a lot of scams on fiverr but really if you just look up like book editing things come up um but yeah, the editing process <laughs> is a very um, at least on my part, because I have to do a lot of editing before, like, I can even begin that, like, proofreading round with, like, another pair of eyes, and I, like, I have a love-hate relationship with the editing process. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're, you know, writing 200,000 words, you're like, yeah, this is it, it's done, you go, okay, maybe I need to cut this in half, you know, half yeah. of your work has to go in, on the on the floor, do you know what I mean, it's go in the bin. So, you've got this writing coach, and they help you to edit your stuff. But realistically, it's, it's your book, it's your vision. How do you know in yourself when it's done? Is it when you can't chip any more away or is it when you can't add any more in? I think both. So one thing I can think of is I, um, I guess it was in May now, I finished writing um, like, it's the book I have coming out in October and I finished it and then I realized like, you know, I got to go through and I got to edit this and I ended up adding a lot of details to it and I took some out and I really like, um, you know, went through and I like, like made, clarified a lot of things, but I think I'm only going to know when I'm done when I can't read it anymore. So for example, like now I'm going through, we're almost done. Actually, we're probably going to finish today, um, of that, that last round of edits with my writing coach. However, um, I kind of want to read through it one more time just because like, I feel like I could. And a lot of my books, when I'm editing for so long, and I'm going through these multiple rounds. I just want it to be done. Like I can't look at it anymore. And with this book in particular, it's also a little shorter than my other books. So I feel like I could go through it one more time and just take a look and see. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to just like, you know, see if there's any last things. And then after that, I think I'm not going to be able to read it anymore. Um, also with a lot of my books, like even after they're published, like I can't read them. Like yeah. I, most of my books I have not read since I published them. Yeah. I, I mean, think a couple just of them. you that feeling. Yeah. You've released that feeling. You go, yeah. look, it's done. It's out there. If you like it, you like it. If you hate it, you hate it. I'm done with it now type thing. Yeah. And, and something you mentioned is, you know, your, your writing coach helps you to, fill in any plot holes or to you know get rid of those types of things what, what are some of the common plot holes you found especially with writing you know sci-fi and dystopian sci-fi there's a lot of things that can enter your universe or be in your book that don't get answered and it's okay but there's also things that you might bring up that need to be answered otherwise you know getting from point a to b makes no sense so what are the common plot holes you've come across for yourself so one big one I remember was from Never Dying. And in that book, there's a scene where they're breaking someone out of prison and they have to do so undetected. But there's no mention of any cameras. And I feel like maybe there would be cameras in the prison. Yeah. So then I had to go through and actually add a scene where they like disable the cameras because otherwise it makes no sense. Like, yeah. why are they just running around and doing all this stuff? Like, 
What about cameras? There's a, they have to know. Another one was the Bane of Angel Fall Academy was really, really, really tricky um, because I started exploring like the multiverse. And I, I remember there were a lot in that first draft. There were a lot of plot holes that I had to explain. And as I was writing, like there were a ton and it really stressed me out. I can't think of any in particular, but oh my goodness, there were so many. And little by little, I kind of worked through and I was like, okay, so this doesn't make sense. What would make it make sense? And then I add that in. And really, I just have to fill them like one by one. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken so much about your writing, your TikTok, all these things. I'm wondering, what do you do in your free time? How do you kind of detune, unwind from writing books? Is it reading books or do you do something completely different to that? Um, I usually read before I fall asleep. Um, I have to admit, when I was in middle school, I was reading a lot more than I am now. I have been in the worst reading slump for like a year now. And I've been just struggling to find books again that like interest me, which is really interesting because it kind of reminds me of like how it was kind of before I started writing books. So really I'm spending so, also I'm spending so much of my time writing and like thinking about writing that really like reading is like the last thing I want to do. But also like I'm still reading every night and I, cause I also think reading is like one of the most important things a writer can do. Cause with each book you read, you really improve your ability to write and you really like kind of teach your brain how to like learn new techniques and you really just can kind of get a new perspective um but otherwise in my free time I like going out and I like hanging out with people I really um for the last two weeks or three weeks actually I was in New York City and um for two of those weeks I was actually in like an academic summer program but for the last week I really just went outside and I explored and I also at the same time was thinking still about my writing and like you know what inspiration can I take with this so sometimes even when I'm not writing I'm still like kind of writing because I'm still like thinking about my stories and I'm thinking about like how this experience could be put into a novel and how you know this could be inspirational I also um I watch I'm starting to watch like more tv in the evenings now and whenever I find a good tv show or movie I think that can be super helpful because then I'm like you know what do you call it like um I'm learning about new styles and even like you know types of media like movies and TV, you can still kind of learn a thing or two about like novel writing. I also do like screenwriting. So I think that's something I could do when I'm older, but just really, I end up doing a lot of things that can kind of help with storytelling, even if I'm not, you know, like I'm still relaxing, but I'm still, you know, working kind of. Yeah. I mean, there's something here that a lot of people that listen to this will know about, but you clearly know about it. It's the entrepreneurial bug where it's like, even when you're trying to switch off, you're still technically switched on because you can't turn that bit of your brain off where you're like, oh, that's a really good plot twist. Like, I didn't see that coming at all. Or, oh, that's a good way to develop a character. And that, you know what? That character had to die because realistically they were just doing too much or they weren't doing enough and they weren't adding to the story. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something yeah. that I know that every entrepreneur struggles with is that ability to kind of switch off. So most people your age will be reading the type of books that you're writing, which is young adult books. And even adults read those. I've, I've soon found out that, you know, young adult fiction is very popular amongst adults for whatever reason. And what I'm curious about is when you're reading, what is it that you're going out there to read? Have you read a lot of the big authors or are you supporting other people that might be, you know, in a similar position to you writing lots of books and, you know, fairly young like what what is what has been on your reading list what's at the top of your goodreads you know thing if you have one of those that's what i'm curious about so i read anything and everything that like interests me i also tend to read a lot of books that i think i could find relatable 
for example, my all-time book is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And Ooh. I read that book when I was in seventh grade and I was going through a lot of really hard stuff. And I really just connected with the characters and I really felt like I related to the story. Even though it's about a kid starting high school, mm. I just really thought it was just a book that I felt like connected with. I also really like The Book Thief. That's another one of my favorite books. It's interesting because all the books I'm mentioning right now aren't sci-fi. But I mm. guess I just, I've, I read so much that it's like, I do read a lot of sci-fi, but I also read so many other things that I really enjoy. Um, I also just think I read books that I think are going to be fun. Sometimes I'll pick up books that I think are going to be like not so great and I'll read them to be like, Hey, you know, what could I do differently? So some like really controversially controversial books where people are like, Hey, it's really bad or it's really good. And people argue about it. I try to read and see where I stand. And with, even with the books I don't like, I try to like look at it from like a kind of perspective of, okay, so what did this author do that I don't really like? And how could I, you know, what could have been done differently? Or how could I not put this kind of trope in my book if I didn't really enjoy it? And really, I try to make every single book I read a learning experience. Yeah. So if you were to suggest, you know, three books for anybody to read, it would be The Perks of Being a Wallflower, The Book Thief, and then what would that kind of slide into that third slot? Is it something you've read recently or is it like an eternal classic, like something from the Hunger Games series or Harry Potter? What would you put in that place? So the book I'm going to put does, is not at all like either of those books, but another book, um, you know, it's a part of a pretty long series, but I really like Six of Crows. It's a part of a duolo duology, but it's a part of like a larger universe. And Six of Crows is probably like my favorite book series or one of my favorites, if not my favorite. And like Lee Bardugo, she's my favorite author. I got to meet her a couple times and I just like... I am obsessed with her work. She is an amazing writer. And particularly with Six of Crows, all of these characters, like, they have really strong, really, you know, emotional and, like, really captivating backstories. And um, they're very young, but they also, you know, like, they have to act a lot older. So in some ways, it's really tragic. But it's also really fun because it's about, you know, six teenagers going and, like, going on a heist. <laughs> So, but there's also like these deeper, really emotional, really heartbreaking aspects of it that I just absolutely adore. And the way that these characters, for example, like the main character, Kaz Brecker, like he's pretty morally gray. He's done a lot of bad stuff, but you also, you kind of, you have to love him. Like he's amazing. And his backstory is pretty sad, but also like watching his character and seeing how far he's come throughout the two books is incredible. Yeah. And do you find yourself when you're inspired by a writer that, you know, much like people reach out to you and want to talk to you, do you find yourself reaching out to them and getting a response more often than not? Or is it like, because you said you've met this author that you deem to be, you know, way, way up there. What was it like meeting them? Oh my gosh. The way it happened was like, I didn't expect it. So in October, she hosted a gala based on her book series and like the TV show. And because I am so obsessed with it, of course I had to go. Like I took off school to go. Um, and there were meet and greet tickets where you could get to meet her and take a picture with her. And unfortunately, those tickets sold out before I could get them. Mm. So I got the regular tickets and I was still really excited. But I was also kind of sad because I was like, you know, I really want to meet her and I want to thank her and I want to tell her about how much she's inspired me. And then um, my mom and I, um, they had like a backdrop and we were taking a photo at the backdrop. 
and I look over and I see someone who kind of looks like her and then she just comes and takes a photo with us and like photobomb does and I have all the photos on my phone and the lady who was taking the photos is amazing because she just kept taking the photos so we have the entire thing where you can see me like oh my gosh like looking over and like (laughs) and it's like so great and then I actually ended up getting to meet her two more times at one of them was um they were both like kind of um, events at bookstores and I finally got to thank her and then I get to like keep on supporting her and really getting like it's such a great feeling to like meet like your heroes like every, with every author I meet like I am just like so happy and I'm so thrilled to meet them I got to go to the LA Times Festival of Books I didn't um I just went as a reader and I got to meet like so many really cool authors that I really really like and I got to talk to them for a bit I got to have my book signed and just every single panel I went to like as well like hearing the authors talk and you know some of them are a lot older than me some of them are maybe only like 10 years older than me five years older than me but hearing all these author talks like hearing all the authors talk made me realize like you know these are the people that I am most like sometimes even more so than like my classmates and the people like around my age so it's like a really great kind of feeling and just also like I have never met an author who hasn't been extremely nice yeah I mean I guess as an author you know you probably don't get much social time so they probably love the the small social windows that they have so you're kind of looking at people that are you know like you said five maybe ten years older than you and I'm wondering for you, you know, in the next five to 10 years, where do you see yourself as an author or as a creative? Because you've mentioned the screenwriting. I'm sure there's other types of written media that you might want to look into. Where do you see yourself being? Because you are so young that, you know, the whole world is ahead of you type thing. Yeah, I think I really see myself just kind of similar to how I am now, but a lot more successful. I really enjoy screenwriting. So I think it would be really cool if maybe one day I get to turn one of my books into a movie or a TV show. And of course, you know, that can be a process that might not involve me. It might, I just think it would be really great to get to screenwrite the adaptation of my own book. Cause then like, really I can like take, you know, I can turn my vision into a reality and really have it how I want to be. But also, you know, if any of my books are ever, you know, if I ever have that option to adapt any of my books into a movie, I'm going to take it regardless of whether or not I get to write it. I just think it would be really nice because of like all of the kind of ideas I've had. Sometimes when I'm bored too, I try to daydream and I think about like going to the movie premiere or I think about like certain scenes that could be really like, you know, like taken to a whole new level. Um, So really that's one thing I see is like, you know, I want to, you know, like have multiple media outlets other than just like novels I also think um you know doing a lot more events than I'm able to do now would be really great I'm gonna I will have done most likely three maybe so I did um the Bay Area Book Festival and then I'm gonna do the San Diego Festival and then maybe I'm gonna do like one more book festival but I think maybe doing like one like every month would be really cool and then doing more book signings and doing like a full book tour as opposed to sporadic book signings at bookstores like when I'm not in school So really like once school's out of the way, my opportunities are endless. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those ones as well where most parents or most, you know, people will be thinking to themselves, yeah, next five years I'll go to college and I'll get a degree and all this and that. But it's like, realistically, you're already building a fairly good business that's got, you know, roots and, you know, foundations that will support a career. So you're like, cool, I'm actually just going to keep going down this path with the hopes that, you know, something gets sent to a screenplay, hop over to that side and, you know, still stay in my my writing kind of jam. But also, you know, I don't want to lose this. This isn't a fad for me. This is like, 
it feels like who I am type thing, especially when you said you see those other writers and you feel like a sense of belonging. But as as a young person, yeah. you know, as a, as a 15 year old, obviously you are in school and you have that going on. What is that like for you? As in, you said you felt like a bit of an outsider. So obviously reading The Perks of a Wallflower probably sat quite well with you. But yeah, what, yeah. what is that experience like? So right now I go to a pretty large public high school and I have to admit it can be pretty stressful. Thankfully, I'm able to balance my writing with my schoolwork, but I also find a lot that it's like, you know, I'm like, well, why am I here? You know, like I, um, you know, I feel like, especially in like some classes like math, I'm like, you know, oh, I don't want to learn this, but I still yeah. try. Mm. And I try to find ways to really like make, it's like math is a really hard subject for me, like regardless of like, you know, writing, it's just always been something that like I have had so much trouble with. And so even like, you know, ignoring my career, like school isn't particularly easy for me. And then now I like, I have like all of this writing to think about. I sometimes find myself like zoning out and thinking about my books during class. And then I'm like, oh shoot, like, what are we doing? Um, but I do really, really try in school, but I'm also like at a point where I'm like, you know, I just wish I didn't have to go to school, but I want to, yeah. you know, of course I want to graduate high school because I really want to go to college and I want to get a degree, even if it's, if it's like, cause I don't know, a lot of colleges don't actually offer creative writing degrees, but I think just getting some writing related degree would be really cool, even though I might not need it. I also do really think it would be nice to become like a professor, maybe actually not maybe but like of creative writing because that's you know of course like my favorite thing um but that would be something maybe i would do later in life because you know right now i really got to focus on the career yeah and i mean for me what i'm also curious about is you know your peers and your teachers kind of knowing that you have this big tiktok audience and you know all these books you've written is that like a an element of celebrity for you in school or is it something that's kind of just like people don't really mention it anymore because it's just just who shanti is a lot of people don't know. Oh. I'm really <laughs> shy about it in person. Like, I get embarrassed talking about it. And it's something I really have to work on because it's like, I should just be able to be like, hey, I'm an author. And I should be able to talk about it easier than, like, it is right now. Um, mm. A lot of it is just like, you know, I have some people, like, make fun of me. I get called a nerd a lot at school. And I have people, like, be like, oh, my gosh, Shanti, she's such a nerd. Like, look at her. She writes books. But I kind of think it's really funny because it's like, I don't understand how nerd is even an insult because it's like, if you're a nerd, you're really cool. And you're obviously, you know, like, people shouldn't – I just feel like people shouldn't make fun of other people for being, like, quote, unquote, like, different. And honestly, I think writing books is really cool. I don't see how that makes me, like, uncool. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I, I'll tell you something, right? Those people that are saying that, calling you a nerd and all that kind of stuff and whatever else, they're just jealous. They wish they had something yeah. that interested them this much. Like being a nerd in school isn't cool until you get out of school and they see how successful you are. And they'll be like, oh, I used to go to school with her. And to kind of bounce back to the happier side of things, away from all the kind of doom and gloom and rubbish of people at school. Something I'm curious about, and this is something I ask every guest I have on, and the answer is always very different, but it's something that, you know, is quite personal to the person is, what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? So I think a lot of it is like, you know, writing for me is an outlet. That's really what it's always been. I use it to kind of like work through my problems and I use it to kind of escape from reality. But honestly, one of the most like, joyous things about it is getting to reach other people with my writing that's something I've wanted to do for so long I've always been someone who loved sharing in class even you know I'd always get sad when my teachers didn't pick me to share my work so I've always just loved like touching people with my stories and really like hearing about 
you know, what my readers think. So I think that's particularly about the publishing part of it. That's really great. I remember when my book, You Own Her Name came out, I had a ton of reviews of people being like, oh my gosh, this reminded me of like my own middle school days. And oh my gosh, this book like made me feel less alone. And that to me is the most amazing feeling because you can write, you know, a great book, but it's like, you know, I don't know if I like, it's not as like, you know, good of a feeling if someone like just like, oh yeah, it was a good book as much as, oh my gosh, this book really stuck with me. So that's really what I like hearing with each book I publish. And that's really what keeps me going. Where can the people find you online? Oh yeah. So you can find me first on my website, which is shantihershenson.com. That's S-H-A-N-T-I-H-E-R-S-E-N-S-O-N.com. I will note that a lot of my interviews aren't exactly updated yet because I have to I have to remodel my press page because it's very there's a lot of links on there and some of them are old. Um, but also if you just look me up, like you'll be able to find all of my interviews and I should have like a press page on my Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, my Instagram is just at Shanti Hershenson. And then my TikTok, which I know we've talked a lot about, where you can find information about me, my books, a lot of fun posts, and even a lot of writing tips as well. That is at Shanti Who Writes. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.